welcome to the Sub Pop Cult Podcast. I'm your host, Michael McGruther. How different are the journeys into culture and politics? And where do they merge, where culture and politics become one in the same? That's what I want to talk about today by reflecting on my journey, which started heading directly into culture. I talked to somebody on the phone today who will be a guest on this podcast in the future. A brilliant, brilliant filmmaker, producer, writer, actor, star, all of it. He reminded me that when we got started, political nonsense was not a part of anyone's conversation anywhere at any time. Everybody was acting. Everybody was directing. Everybody was involved in the creativity of the projects they worked on. Because of it, there was a sort of cultural harmony that existed. He noted that this harmony started to fade with the presidency of Bill Clinton. I think it happened later. But either way, it happened. And everything got converted from its true nature to its worst nature, which is politics. Essentially, when politics comes to get you, it's an infection that is almost impossible to shake afterwards. So the only option for the thing to survive is to die and be reborn again. And that's what's happening to our culture. It got too overly politicized. So now our culture is dead. But it's going to be reborn again by individuals out there listening to this podcast, honing their skills, getting better at their art, telling stories, competing with major corporations who don't really have the capacity to win this war. It's a matter of volume culture that can be created by independent creators absolutely drowns and makes irrelevant the corporate culture no matter how much it's amplified. And perhaps that's what it's going to come down to is forcing your perspective to look at the corporate media. But you don't have to. And you know you don't have to. And the people who make alternatives are getting better and better at what they do. And for that reason, I declare that the sub-pop culture will win but it will take at least a decade of this transformation into individual artists expressing themselves, monetizing it, being happy with a smaller financial gain, but a bigger satisfaction with the way they live their life, practicing their craft, reaching the world. Reaching the world is about to change in a dramatic way, too. And one thing that I really despise is that when new technological advances come down the pipeline, The chorus is so loud, discouraging you from embracing it, using it, learning how to deal with a new tool, how to leverage it. And it's usually done with terrifying science fiction style stories telling you that, you know, AI is going to kill humanity. That's been reiterated and planted all across major news as either a story, a take, a beat, a little moment, a thought. But that's a major reiteration as AI has been dropped on us as this wonderful tool that really is going to make it much, much harder for corporations. Believe it or not, it's going to empower you. I think that AI stands for amplified individual because the amount of thoughts and ideas and projects and things that I can get in motion with the assistance of AI, not having it do the creative work, but organizing the creative work, helping me with my workflow, doing research, all these things, 
make me extremely, extremely more powerful than I am just by myself opening up a new browser, Googling information, taking notes. And so AI is essentially this super assistant who can comprehend things, process information, narrow down choices. But the creativity is really going to be up to you. And reaching the audience, changing dramatically, I don't mean that it's because we have AI and we can reach further with more information or social networks. I really believe that storytelling is going to have a dramatic seismic change where most storytelling becomes very, very intimate. Uh, not this event where you're sitting in a movie theater, old style, watching a movie and feeling this experience with people around you while you munch on popcorn and snacks. I am fully committed to and believe that the exhibition of the future all takes place through a pair of glasses or your headset. I love my Oculus. I cannot wait for Apple's spatial computer. This is going to change so many things. Just imagine for a moment that you're watching Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta, the dance scene, but you are sitting at the bar. And with that headset, you're allowed to turn your head and look around at the scene. And how they move us to the next scene, people haven't figured that out yet. Maybe you just accept, you suspend your disbelief, and you accept that you are part of the narrative from a bird's eye view. The movie-going experience is going to be so intimate and so powerful and so real that the power of cinema will be increased a hundredfold. Just to feel your presence in the scene, but still have it be dramatic, where a skilled storyteller is forcing your perspective, but giving you limited options to look around, but you're still, you're in there. I can't stress this enough. You're, let, let's take any classic movie that everybody knows, like Star Wars, all right? And uh, you're there. Maybe you see things from the R2-D2 perspective and you can spin your head all the way around and you're involved in almost every scene that way. And it's the scene where you're running from the stormtroopers and uh, Luke and Han, they're all fighting for their life and you're trying to get on the, the Millennium Falcon or you're, no, you're trapped with C-3PO. Pardon me, my Star Wars history is all jumbled because I've told the story so many different ways. I don't know which scene is which at this point. But you're experiencing it and you're in the movie and when you look up, you see the, the top of the building. When you look at the computers, you actually can interact with the buttons. But why would you do that? You'd be too busy watching the actual drama, which is Darth Vader and Obi-Wan in their uh, encounter, where Luke sees Obi slaughtered by Darth. That would be a completely different experience. And then to fly back on the Millennium Falcon with them and just be a part of that by being in the cockpit in some way. I don't know if you've got this headset or you've had any experience with this, but it's mind-blowing the intimacy that it creates. One of the best things I saw is free, and it's on the very first Oculus that came out. Actually, it's the Oculus Quest. It's a theater-in-the-round type story. It's a Native American tale. Uh, about how the crow became black. Apparently it was a beautiful tropical bird before it flew too close to the sun and got burned. And it's like a cautionary tale. I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but I just want you to know what the experience of watching it was like. You are brought into this 
cartoon, but almost realistic in a not Pixar way, but in a dreamy way, video game way. You're in this forest, and all the characters that are going to be playing out this play for you are animals. And they come down, you're in like a theater in the round type setting where you're sitting up on a rock, and it's obvious that there's plays that are done here, but it's still, it's the forest. The animals come down, they begin to tell you what they're, what they're uh, welcome to the show, and they begin to take you on this journey telling you this Native American tale. Sometimes you just follow the lead character as he literally flies too close to the sun, and you hover there in outer space, and you watch the conversation happen, you watch the scene happen, then you come plummeting back to Earth, and then you're back in your seat, and the story concludes. But it's a wonderful experience that's totally different than a lineup of scenes juxtaposed in a forced perspective in 2D, on the television, or 3D if I have a pair of glasses on, it's still not the same. Watching a 3D movie inside of an Oculus headset is also a superior experience. This sounds weird, but you put the headset on and you are sitting in front of, you're, you're in your pretend living room, whatever it is you chose, you know, it's a space station one day, maybe it's a mountain cabin. They have these detailed rooms that are like your apartment and that's where you kind of start when you use these headsets. From there, you get a remote control and a giant TV screen. Well, that giant TV screen is very realistic. You can make it as big as the world, you can shrink it down, it's very realistic. There was a technology demonstration of uh, Space Junk, which is actually a scene featured in the opening of my novel, Crisis Moon, where uh, an astronaut is trying to repair a satellite. Space Junk is gonna obliterate everybody and they have to get out of there. It's a similar type thing, just exploring Space Junk as a problem that needs to be addressed by, by NASA. Space Junk is the residue from exploded satellites, the chunks, the pieces of things flying around at 17,500 miles per hour. And when the 3D portion of this movie begins, where satellite parts come flying at you, you're already in a, in a fake environment. So the 3D is so realistic that you feel that you could just grab the missile out of the sky as it's going right past you. It like goes past your head. Space junk comes right at you. You want to dunk, duck out of the way because it's, your mind has accepted the trick. Now, the people who scare you and say, oh, this is a fake reality, I don't want to be alive when people don't, don't sit in theaters, like, this is, this is subhuman. These are one-hour, two-hour experiences that in and of themselves are unique, powerful, entertaining, and incredibly exciting as a future of storytelling. Which brings me back to the importance of the conservative creator who is always being discouraged to go backwards instead of forwards. How about learn to go forwards to restore tomorrow? Tomorrow's restoration is going to be found in those intimate places where stories can be told to individuals. And embedded in those stories, just like embedded in the Native American tale, are true things, memorable moments, the good nudge that helps a person form an opinion that is more desirable to a free country. Not an opinion of division, but an opinion of unity, so the American people can have that power over the corporations and the government once again. And the irony of irony is that 
we get this power through these powerful technological tools, which steer and run and now are the main source of our, of our economic future and power. So they're not going away. That's why there's an increased effort to discourage you from embracing the future. So don't do that. Don't do that this time. Embrace every tool. You're in the storytelling business. Maybe you are a, you know, film particular. That's the only thing I'm doing is film. That's fine. But at the same time, support, figure out, embrace, research, be a part of the new way to tell people what to believe and what to think. It's the intimate stories that are going to take place deep inside the metaverse. Good morning. Is it fair to say that with tools like AI that can create assets, lay out storylines, animate characters, that the real skill of the future is probably going to be the ability to arrange these assets as opposed to create them yourself? Good morning, Michael. That's a fascinating question. It's true that AI and other technologies are increasingly capable of handling tasks like asset creation and even basic storytelling. This does shift the focus towards skills like curation, arrangement, and overarching vision. However, original creation isn't likely to be entirely replaced. It'll still have a role especially where unique voices and perspectives are valued. So in a way, the skill set of the future could be a blend of both creation and arrangement. What are your thoughts on this? I just asked AI that question live for you to hear the interaction that I have, the thought-provoking way that a computer can help you identify and find your way to a better understanding of anything. But what I want to focus on is... AI's declaration that overarching vision will be a big part of content creation and artistry in the future. Now, what I have here at Sub Pop Culture is a giant overarching vision of an American culture coming online by way of independent creators. So in many ways, I'm acting in this same dynamic now by trying to appeal to you to rise up and become an independent creator, which serves my overarching vision of the American people having their voice back to define the realities that become the politics. We don't have to go back. I have lots and lots of episodes where I expose, reveal, and do all of the things that pundits do to you politically. I do it to them, but it has to do with why we don't have culture. So we don't have culture, just to remind people who are new to this podcast, because the political situation in this country is divided up, and the right has none of the power that makes culture. It has only the power that makes, really, chaos out of news, reactions, and, in my opinion, serves foreign interests because it's not about we the people. Where the left, they do serve we the people just in a ridiculous way by getting we the people through culture and through top-down entertainment that trains certain attitudes and trains you into certain behaviors and values, sells them to you, are adopted, they animate the people in a way that they think they're getting something for their representation, but really they're just getting a license to thrill, a license to have fun. And somehow, through that dynamic, 
history plays out. Things happen. But the distance between the American people and their impact on the government could not be greater because we don't have this unified, equal voice, which is part of my overarching vision. And it should be yours as well, because then we're networked together, working towards the same overarching vision. So we do need to get ourselves out of this hell cycle of political narrative, which robs the American people of more and more liberty and enables insiders and nepotism and all the people connected through very short little connections to keep consolidating power amongst themselves and eventually battling it out and eliminating each other too. So this deadly, deadly road that we're on is not the path to Americanism. We're still walking the globalist sidewalk, which is an escalator straight to hell because it takes you away from your culture. It takes you away from your neighbors. It takes your concern and it deposits it, no matter who you are, exactly where it needs to be to serve some other interest. The cheering section of any war, whether you're for Ukraine, against Ukraine, whether you're for Israel, against Israel, whether you are for the Palestinian situation or against the situation, it does not matter. The dynamic is the same. Our elected officials with media are so good at conning the people, but we do really have every tool we need and more and more are arriving every day. All the policies that people want to have can still be had, but they must have our say. They must have our permission. They must have our blessing. And it can't be mined out of us by storytelling that comes from the top down, that aggravates you and leads you right into the, the place that you need to be to serve some other interest other than your own. Because your interest is America. Your interest is the culture you live in in your own country. Nobody wants to come to America because they feel like hating on their aunts and uncles after they find out one's a Republican and one's a Democrat. People want to come to America to live freely. So why are we putting on a show that we are not free when really, if we just embrace our freedom and we lead by example, which most people do in their daily lives by not even paying attention to politics, we inspire the right behaviors and those around us. You know there are early Americans just getting their stories started, and they're looking at people who have it all, every blessing, and they probably think, what is wrong with these people that they just fight each other all day over distant wars, distant battles, I'm right here washing toilets right now. I'm a pizza guy. I'm cutting lawns. My kid is free. They're gonna go to school and learn something better than they would have in my country. Don't discount what inspires people to want to be part of our great nation. Instead, discount the importance of the fire alarm stories handed to you, spoon-fed to you, through the news which aims to disrupt your life, your unity, and your ability to grasp, focus, and grow the one thing that is in your control, and that is the culture that makes up the American experience. 
let go of your mind. Let go. She's not the one. 